So as Pastor Dave was praying, I'm excited. That would be an understatement to share this word with us that the Lord has for us from uh, Matthew 16. Uh, So we're continuing in our Restored Sermon series. And for those of you who have been journeying with us, you heard the message from Derek last week on Matthew 15, where uh, God's word that was restored, God's value of God's word over human traditions. And Derek exposed some of these lies, these ideologies that we get caught up in and exposed those that we could confess those and embrace the truth of God's word. And this morning, uh, we will be learning about restored authority as Christ builds his church. How does Jesus restore our authority in him and how is his church built? And so we'll be reading that from Matthew 16, 13 through 20. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say that I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give to you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And then he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. This is the word of the Lord. And so many of us have heard this passage, this story before, and it's remembered as Peter's confession of Jesus for who he really is, the Messiah. And This can take place, we hear confessions like this. Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And I imagine something like this could be posted on a quote board somewhere. And uh, maybe some of you have had quote boards. I know for me, when I was babysitting some kids, I would have to keep track of some of the things kids say. It's just funny. Um, And then we also have... um, Uh, With our campus ministry staff, we have a quote board, and there's things that are remembered for being funny or profound or confusing, all these different things on quote boards. But the key to a quote is its context. Out of context, something just means something totally different sometimes. And I believe that Peter's confession here, it's the context that matters which is why we've got a map here of Israel to show you where Caesarea Philippi is. And so first, has anyone been to Caesarea Philippi before? Some, not many. Good. So we get to explore Caesarea Philippi together this morning. Uh, I was blessed to go on a study tour to Israel in 2015 when I was a student at Piper College. And going to this place and hearing this text, made me fall so much more in love with Jesus and just built the authority that we have in Christ because of who he is. And so my prayer is that he does that for us this morning. And so Caesarea Philippi, uh, it's only mentioned in this passage in Scripture, which makes us wonder, why? What is this place where Jesus took his disciples? 
And so as we're going to Caesarea Philippi, we go 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee. And so Galilee is the area where all of the religious people were, all of the Jews, they would worship Jesus there. And now Jesus is taking his disciples 25 miles away. Okay, what is this place? You can go to the next one, Peter. And so this is where they were going. They were going to the foot of Mount Hermon, this mountain. And so you see the lush greenness here, which if you've been to Israel, it's rare to find the lush greenness here with the water flowing. Uh, So this was a verdant place, uh, a fertile place where lots of things would grow. And this was the place where through the years, uh, it was a place of worship. And so we read in the Old Testament how the people would worship Baal in this place. This place north of Galilee was known for all this idol worship, for worshiping of Baal. Also, three miles from here is where Dan was. And if you know what Dan is, that's where King Jeroboam erected these high places for the people to worship outside of Jerusalem. So it's this place of idol worship, this pagan place. And then through the years, as the Greeks came involved, It became a place for fertility worship, and namely worship of this god, Pan. Uh, Pan was this half-goat god, and so this place, there was a temple erected to Pan over here, and then over here, we've got this temple that's built up to Caesar uh, as the imperial cult, so we want to worship Caesar. Look at, I'm in this verdant, lush place over here. Caesar is God. We've got Pan over here. Pan is worshipped, and not only are they just offering sacrifices, but there's this sexual immorality that's just rampant in Caesarea Philippi. As people are engaging not only with one another, but with animals, they're offering sacrifices to this god Pan, and this would be a place that Jesus' disciples would not want to go, because not only was it known as this secular place, but you'll notice there's a cave there, and that kind of highlights this cave. In this big cave over here, water would gush forward in the springtime, and it was this deep well of water that was said to have reached the underworld. And so they would offer sacrifices as hoping to please Pan, that he might cause the rain to flow and everything to be flourish year after year. And this was called the Gates of Hades. That's what Caesarea Philippi was known for. Oh, that place with the Gates of Hades. Worship of Pan, idol worship, imperial cult to Caesar, gates of Hades. This is where Jesus takes his disciples. This is where Jesus asks them, Who do people say that I am? And looking around, you're like, well, none of these people know who Jesus is. And Just last week, Derek shared with us how even the religious leaders, they didn't know who Jesus was. He can't be God. He's just some prophet who's claiming to be God. we got to stop him from teaching this. And then he asked the disciples, so what about people? Who do people say that I am? And even the people, well, maybe he's John the Baptist. He's preparing the way for the kingdom. Maybe he's Elijah. He's ushering in the end of the age. Or he could be Jeremiah. I don't know, maybe like this persecuted prophet. doesn't seem like people like him very much. Or he's just a prophet from the Lord. We've had lots of them come through the years. But then Jesus gets personal. And he asks them, but what about you? Who do you say I am? 
And it's here that Peter says these words, You, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. You can only imagine what that would have felt like for all of these disciples to hear that in light of what they're seeing here. You mean not Caesar, not Pan, not these other gods. Wait, he's the living God. And faith is stirred up in their hearts as they realize Jesus is the Messiah. And, and Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And then he tells him that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And I can't help but think about what Jesus said when he tells Peter, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. In fact, lots of people have wondered what that means through the years. Uh, There's some who claim, oh, you are Peter on this rock. On Peter, I will build my church. Our Catholic brothers and sisters have believed that that has something to do with the papal system and the Pope as leading the church as people standing in that firm place of God's kingdom here on earth. Uh, And Peter did play a crucial role in the gospel going forth. He's the one who goes on Pentecost and proclaims to this audience of Jews that Jesus is the Messiah and 3,000 people come to know and love Jesus and believe in him and follow him. And then he's the one in Acts who goes to Cornelius and he opens the door of the gospel to the Gentiles. And so Peter does play a crucial role in the gospel being proclaimed in the world. And then we're like, this confession. Some are like, no, it's the confession. This is the foundation of the church. This is the rock that the church is built on. Yes, we need to believe in Jesus. That's the foundation of the kingdom. It's found in him. But I also can't help but read this in its context and wonder if what Jesus had in mind even was on this rock. On this rock. In this place, in this pagan place where people don't know me, where they're separated from the religious communities, on the, in the world, my kingdom will come. I've come into broken places to usher in the kingdom of light because I am the one true king. And the kingdoms of this world cannot stand against my kingdom. What a place of authority for Jesus to take his stand. And I imagine the disciples were like, yes, he's the one. <laughs> Again, we want the world to know because he is the king. It's not Caesar. It's not Pan. It's not Baal. It's nothing of this world. But Jesus is the king. He's the Messiah. His kingdom can even storm these gates of hell that you thought was the doorway to the underworld. But let me tell you about my Jesus. And what's funny here is that The disciples only had this picture of part of who Jesus is. You think up until this point, the disciples knew that Jesus was one to proclaim the kingdom of God with authority. He was one to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. And they're like, wow, this guy, he doesn't seem like a normal prophet. In fact, Peter's like, no, he's the son of God. He's the Messiah. But but what does it mean for him to be the Messiah? Because Jesus tells them that he will do these things. He tells Peter that I, I will build my church here. 
And he says, I will give you these keys to the kingdom. And then he tells them to not tell anyone that he's the Messiah. And you're like, wait a minute. I'll tell you, that is not the message for us today. (laughs) But then we're wondering, why? Why did Jesus say, don't tell anyone who I am? Because they didn't know the full story. Jesus hadn't yet fully revealed himself to them as the Messiah. But Gold Avenue Church, we know the full story. We've sung about this story this morning. We've sung about who our Jesus is as Messiah. How Jesus is the one who proclaimed the kingdom. He embodied the kingdom. He advanced the kingdom. And he gave his life for us. Because our God has always been on mission. He's always been about coming to us and wanting to have a relationship with us. That's how he made us in the beginning. He made us to be in relationship with him and represent him here on earth. And sin separated us from that. But God has always been pursuing his people. This is what he did with the Israelites. He called them to be his chosen people, not so that they could keep the good news to themselves, but so that the nations would know who he is. And he came not just for the Israelites, but as he led them out of slavery in Egypt, his hope was that the Egyptians would come to know him as the one true God. He's the one who came for Jews and for Gentiles. He's come for those born in Christian homes. He's come for those born in satanic cults. He's come for Muslims and Jews and Hindus and Buddhists. He's come for tax collectors, adulterers, prostitutes, those who are self-righteous, those who think they're good and those who know they're not. He's come for you and for me. Because we know Jesus is the one who came and he died on the cross. He died in our place, bearing our sin and shame. And he went into hell for us. And he was dead for three days. But then after three days, Jesus rose again from the dead. And he proclaimed himself to be the Lord of life, that by believing in him, you are set free from sin. And by believing in him, you're welcomed into his kingdom of life. And I love how Jesus declares himself in Revelation 1.18. Oh, this one's a good one. He says, Oh, I am the living one. Behold, I was dead, but now I am alive forever and ever. And he says, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This is who our Jesus is. He went into the realm of the dead, and he has the keys of death and Hades, and he's the king of life and has the keys to eternal life. And the disciples didn't know this, but they would. And we know this good news that Jesus is the one true God. He is the living one, the Messiah, the one who was raised from the dead, who sets us free from sin, and who gives us authority, authority to be a part of his kingdom coming. Because his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And so then we wonder, so what are these keys that he gives us? He tells Peter, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Well, 
One answer, the Heidelberg Catechism actually addresses this question. Uh, in question and answer 83, where it says, what are the keys of the kingdom? And the preaching of the Holy Gospel and Christian discipline as it leads towards repentance. Uh, this opens the door for believers toward the kingdom of heaven and closes the door to unbelievers. So these keys, preaching and discipline. And I would say that we experience this as those who are in Christ. We come together around God's word on a Sunday and we hear the word proclaimed. And we are blessed, Gold Avenue Church, to hear this good news proclaimed Sunday after Sunday of who Jesus is. The one who forgives us of our sins. The one who sets us free from shame and bondage. The one who offers grace. The one who loves us with an everlasting love. We heard of this love testified this morning. And he's also the one who disciplines us. As Derek shared with us last week, uh, there's these human traditions, whether it's self-preservation, consumerism, materialism, legalism, all these false gods that are in the background claiming for our allegiance, and yet we can stand firm knowing those are not the kingdoms we're called to live for, but we're invited to live in the kingdom. And so might we hold one another accountable in those, opening the door to the kingdom of life and closing that door to the ways that lead towards death. This is what it looks like to live in the kingdom. And this isn't just news that we're meant to hear on a Sunday morning in church. But Gold Avenue Church, unlike the disciples who Jesus told to not tell anyone that he's the Messiah, if you hear anything this morning, we are called to proclaim the good news of Jesus. Against this backdrop of all these false ideologies, these false gods, we have the keys of the kingdom. (laughs) His name is Jesus, and he is the King of Kings. He's the one who died for the sins of the world, who rose to offer all who believe in him eternal life. And we have the gift to share this. And there are so many ways we can share this. And uh, we hear testimonies that encourage us. Man, I want to be a part of this kingdom. We get to be a part of this kingdom coming. We get to experience life because Jesus' kingdom is built not there, but here. He's come to build his kingdom here until he brings his kingdom in its fullness. And so I wonder, Gold Avenue Church, what does it look like for us to be a part of this? What does it look like for God's kingdom to come here as we share the good news of who he is? I just imagine the transformation of a place instead of marijuana dispensaries going up. What does it look like for homes of prayer to be formed in this neighborhood? Instead of students partying, I drove past on my way in. There was a bunch of tables with empty beer bottles and whatnot out there. What does it look like for us to come together in fellowship of worship and prayer, inviting everybody? Hey, if you want to sing about Jesus, praise him because he's the king. What does it look like for us to long to be together in Christian community instead of longing to be away from him and go towards all these other things? Jesus desires for his kingdom to come here in Grand Rapids. And I believe this. And this church is on mission for that as we exist for the the gospel to transform our lives, our community, and the world. This is why we exist. What a mission to be a part of. (laughs) 
(laughs) But in a world filled with all these false gods and ideologies, we have the keys to bind these lies to say that's not the way towards life. But we have the keys to loose the ways and say, but this is. Can I tell you about Jesus and how he sets us free, how he forgives us, how he loves us, how he welcomes us to live life in his kingdom here and now? This is what we have the opportunity, the calling, the gift to be a part of. And so we do this, some of us, on Thursday, every other Thursday night. If you've not been to prayer walking, I know it doesn't fit with everyone's schedule, but it has been such an encouragement to me to join with brothers and sisters here and go out into the neighborhood and just, okay, Holy Spirit, where are you leading us? How might we be a part of your kingdom coming here? And the testimonies that we have of having words of knowledge for people here. Hey, do you have back pain? Can, uh, yes, how'd you know? Uh, can we pray for you? Do you know Jesus? He's the one who heals and restores, and you can have a relationship with him. And we can go onto the streets and just ask people, do you know Jesus? Uh, he's the one who's given us life. Uh, would you like to be a part of the kingdom? Come join us at church where you can learn more and meet other people who know and love Jesus. Uh, We even have our gospel tool stickers now. I know we've got some more in the back there. That's been helpful for me because sometimes you're just like, man, I want to share something, but sometimes to make it less awkward. And you're like, hey, this is what it's, do you understand the gospel? Let me tell you about who Jesus is in a way that you'll remember. I remember they were talking about this Jesus and he was, they just seemed really excited that he had life. I, I want that. Because Gold Avenue Church, uh, this week even, uh, I heard testimony of young people who are sent out uh, through um, uh, Met by Love. They're a group of young people who have sent people out, every heart movement, all over the country this summer. And they came back and they were testifying, not just to the healings, the miracles, the signs, but they were testifying to the gospel being proclaimed and people coming to know Jesus. And as I heard that, my heart is stirring. Yes, Lord, I want that. I want people to know you because that is how the church is built. The church, Jesus doesn't build his church on the best coffee or the best worship or just a bunch of people together. But his church is built by people who know and love Jesus and who live on mission for him. And he wants them to know him. This is because his church is the people, the people who know him and who love him against this false backdrop of the world. And so as we come to a close, I believe that Jesus' message for us today is to not just keep this message within these four walls of this church, but just as he brought his disciples outside of Galilee and into Caesarea Philippi, I believe he's calling each and every one of us outside of this church and into our communities, into our families, into our workplaces with the keys of the kingdom. We've got the good news of the King of Kings, of the Savior, of the Living One. And we have a world that is in desperate need of transformation, of knowing the truth, of being set free from the bondage of hell and darkness and death, because we know the Lord of life. And so Gold Avenue Church family and friends, might we be the ones who share this good news with those around us so that Jesus' church can be built here. Let's pray.
Jesus, we thank you that you long for your kingdom to come here. That this isn't a desire that we have outside of you, but that you're the one who's always been on mission for your people, longing for your kingdom to be present here, that people would know you as king, that they would be in restored relationship with you, and that they would have a restored purpose of sharing you and living in the realities of your kingdom, that this world might not reflect the kingdom of darkness, but might reflect your kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would give us your heart for this world, that we would see this world in need of your kingdom, that we would be compelled by love, that we don't want anyone to perish, because that's not your will either, Father. And so we pray that as we go from this place, that you would give us opportunities to share the good news of Jesus, that you would continue to remind us of that good news, that we can share that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God, and that Life and salvation is found in him alone. And we pray this in Jesus' name.